Okay. If you have your Bibles, uh, let's turn to the first uh, Timothy 4 passage again and uh, really do appreciate the invitation to come and uh, minister in this uh, session and appreciate your graciousness and responding and and if I could find my sermon we could start here we are <laughs> panic panic city um, and so if you uh, remember last night we looked at the uh, uh, there's, there's one of the things that has to be addressed in the last days is going to be a distortion of what it means uh, to be married. Uh, and this isn't just going to be in the culture, but of course anything that is happening in the culture is going to seep into the church. And we've seen this uh, in our day, and this is affecting uh, our marriages. Whether you understand it or not, that many of the things that you're dealing with uh, that that perhaps you didn't deal with even 20 years ago or couples uh, never had dealt with before, it has something to do with the spirit of the age that tries to come in and lay hold of uh, the church. Uh, that's why you need to keep on doing what you know to be right long term. No matter what winds of doctrine and things float through the church, just know that uh, God has not changed his mind about what he values and what he wants to see happen. And so in the church, we need to make sure, uh, Paul is telling Timothy, that we teach people right about marriage and that he equates this with godliness. That for us to be godly people, we need to have our marriages right. We need to be good husbands or good wives, that that's part of being godly. And uh, so verse 6, we'll just skip down and read that, First Timothy 4, 6. If you instruct the brethren in these things, which includes marriage, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness for bodily exercise profiteth a little but godliness is profitable for all things having the promise of the life that now is and that which is to come exercise thyself unto godliness or train yourself to be godly one translation says so our our marriages to be what they need to be to resist the spirit of the age to to be godly marriages is not going to be enough just that we have a salvation experience, not enough that we just attend uh, a good church, uh, it just it, not enough that at one time uh, in our lives we were uh, head over heels uh, mad about one another. Because now we're just mad at one another. <laughs> and, uh, and so... What what we in order to be godly in our marriages, it is going to take training or discipline. We're going to have to work at it. 
So there are going to be some things that it's not going to be enough to just take one day at a time and whatever happens and and uh, we'll just kind of catch as catch can and, and uh, kind of muddle through life. That no, your marriage is not going to survive that way. You're going to have to uh, look very seriously at the needs of your spouse, and the needs of your home, and work at it. Put some things into your mind, put some things into your schedule, and say, these things must be here, or my marriage is not going to be godly. My marriage is not going to resist the spirit of the age. And so uh, we talked about some things uh, last night about clearing the air and, uh, uh, and about establishing a good uh, uh, atmosphere. And I want to just uh, touch on another <clears throat> thing that is, is very simple, uh, and yet uh, it will help create the atmosphere of romance that our marriages need to, to be exciting, to, to be satisfying. That, that romance, that sense of being loved and loving, the sense I am loved and I'm in love, that is not just the, the thing of, well, yes, we're committed to one another and we do right for one another. But, you know, God has put some emotions in us and some capacities in us. And those are to be uh, enjoyed and those are to be developed and not just cast to one side because, you know, that was when I was 20 and now I'm 45 and so uh, I'm too old for love. Uh, it's you and I have the capacity for that. I want to talk about touching. And uh, Deuteronomy 24, verse 5 says, If a man has recently married, he must not be sent to war or have any other duty laid on him. For one year he is to be free to stay at home and bring happiness to the wife he has married. Uh, I like the way the King James puts it, and he shall cheer up the wife which he hath taken, uh, <laughs> which, <laughs> which kind of gives the, the sense that once he married her, she needed some cheering up. <laughs> and so, um, and this was going to be a, a full-time job. <laughs> this, uh, this was not going to uh, be something he could just do in his off hours. So, but the, the point of bringing up that, that scripture is that here is placed upon one member of the marriage, specifically in this case, the man, to bring happiness, right? To, to cheer up or to bring happiness to his spouse. That this is a, this is a Bible uh, obligation. This is something that you know. Here's war taking place. The Philistines are coming. There, uh, you, you know, the the Midianites are overrunning. No, no, you need to not go to war. You need to stay home and make your wife smile. Okay, I mean, you know, you think about well, the the the, the kingdom is going to be overrun unless I go fight. The kingdom is going to be overrun if you don't. Cheer up your wife, <laughs> right? We we've, we've got to these these marriages of ours need to survive. So, 
there, one way that we're not going to, we don't have time to talk about all things, but one way that we're, uh, that this happens in our marriage and that our relationship uh, maintains some warmth and, and affection and excitement is, has to do with this issue of just physical affection. You know, when, when babies are newborn, you know, they, uh, they need to be held. There, there's studies where uh, little babies that were, uh, you know, born and abandoned, because they're not touched and held, they die. There's something in them, and there's something in uh, humanity. There's something in human beings that physical contact is uh, an expression of, of, uh, of uh, relationship, of friendship, of, of intimacy, of warmth. And, uh, and, you know, and we come into church, we shake one another's hands, we say, you know, there, there's, a, there's a, a connection that is there and that communicates something one to another. Uh, some uh, uh, researchers have seen the preoccupation our culture has with sex is actually people who are looking for something in their life that could be or should be addressed just by warmth of affection, just by the warmth and communication of affection that comes from physical contact, not necessarily sexual contact, not uh, touching that is uh, moving towards a, a, a sexual encounter, but just the uh, communicating love and affection and appreciation this way. Now, we often see this as, as a need that is, uh, you know, more uh, for the women that, that uh, you know, you've heard Pastor Mitchell say perhaps years ago, you know, that uh, women are affection addicts. Right? They need a fix every single day. They need that communicated to them. But I think that many times we men, we don't, it doesn't register with us that there's probably some, we're down inside the crust. There is this thing that really does respond when our wife is, demonstrates her affection for us in physical ways, in just Touching of affection and kindness and uh, and uh, and intimacy that way. So there are things that, like we were talking about last night, there are things that we do have tr- trouble putting into words. We don't have our dictionaries with us, and so, uh, honey, I just can't really tell you how much I love you. But sometimes, by not speaking, or not just speaking, but by physical contact and affection that we can communicate things that there that we do have difficult saying in words or there aren't words to say and so this affectionate touching that ha- that communicates warmth and uh, this has to do with uh, uh, holding uh, one another's uh, hands uh, this has to do with uh, uh, just a closeness that uh, that we have together, you're, you know, you're sitting together uh, in in church. You're sitting together in a, in a seminar like this, or just you know, to just move close enough to one another where you're actually contacting one another, and uh, you don't have to stick a Bible between yourselves in church. You know that that uh, and there, there's <clears throat> that that 
something is uh, there, there's something dynamic there. There's something that you don't have to be staring at each other and telling each other sweet nothings. You can be communicating a, a, a love and affection toward one another in your physical contact. This has to do with, with eye contact. You know, I remember um, we've, we've had the privilege of taking over a number of uh, churches. And, you know, when you take over a church, usually... Uh, Folks don't want you to be there. <laughs> right. um, <laughs> it's just one of those things. They want the, the other guy. And, uh, and so I, I remember uh, this uh, woman relating to my wife and I sometime later. She was very, very upset that the former pastor had gone to, you know, in, into uh, taking another fellowship church and and that we had come in and, uh, you know, she was just sure she was never going to receive from us or accept us or anything like that. But she saw, and as I'm, you know, leading songs or whatever, leading and, and Janet's playing piano, she saw us look at one another and she saw in that looking at one another that we were in love with one another. And she said, when I saw that, I said, if... He loves her like that. She loves him, I think, or I know that they're going to love me. And so she was, she was fine with it. And so it's just, isn't that interesting? You know, that, that isn't in the fellowship handbook. <laughs> but there's, there's something that, uh, that, was recognized, and that's that's something that's there. That an eye contact, you know, you can be uh, just uh, in a conversation with some people, and just the way that you can look at your spouse and just communicate, "I love you," I, you know, "I appreciate you." That uh, those are uh, those mean something. Uh, you know, <laughs> my little. Son Connor gets uh, gets upset with me sometimes. You know, if I'm say I'm running him out to preschool, now I'm running him out to preschool, right? I'm just going to run in like five minutes and I'm coming back. Well, he's gone, going to be gone all day. So he goes up to mom, uh, he uh, kisses mom, gives mom a big hug, and I'm just come on, Connor, let's go. And she, you didn't give mommy a kiss and a hug, and. Uh, I'm all right. Well, if I was leaving longer, I would have. But but he's right, and so. Um, <laughs> so those are things that uh, that yes, they they can be. You know, you can just drop into a mechanical thing. Uh, but if again, if you're if you're conscious. If you're understanding that there are some things that you must choose to put in your relationship and you must choose to maintain in your relationship and touching one another, touching one another and communicating affection one to another in your physical contact is one of the things that you must do. Now, you would hate to hear the word, you must discipline yourself to do this. Uh, but the, as in a point of fact, that's exactly what you have to do. Discipline doesn't mean 
legalism, right? Discipline doesn't mean uh, cold and heartless. Discipline means that I am conscious that there are some things that left to myself I probably wouldn't do every, as often as my spouse needs them to be done. And we say it that way. There are things that I would not do often enough that I would not be conscious enough to do for my spouse that they need for the maintenance and for the, for the flourishing of romance uh, in our homes. Now, there are some hindrances to this, and, and of course, one of the, these is that, uh, that sometimes these are only interpreted as uh, sexual advances, you know, that, and, and you'll hear this a lot of times coming from a woman that, you know, the only time he tries to be affectionate with me is when he wants sex. That's, that's the only time. Well, I, you know, it's, uh, so uh, any physical show of affection becomes this, uh, this uh, flag that says uh, tonight's the night or, or, uh, uh, and, and so it's kind of, it, you know, uh, and, uh, and that's that's okay, you know. I mean, affection needs to to pre uh, date, uh, uh, you know, our sexual encounters. But it it's not just limited to that, right? There that it, it's it's not it's something that you are conscious of, and that you are making sure that you that that you're doing uh, affection for affection's sake, just. To communicate, just to say, you know what, I am going to make sure that an atmosphere of romance is continued in my home. See, what what happens to us is sometimes we have feelings and affections and 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 intimacies of feeling that end up getting kind of beaten over the head in life and beaten over the head by each other. You know, there's just things that we say and things that happen and, and just ways that we're reacted to that, uh, that we don't feel as free with our affections. We don't feel as free to feel. And many times that's exactly what's happened in your marriages. It is just that some of these affections have just slipped back into the closet and shut the door. It's not that they're gone. It's not that they don't exist. But they have... They have moved into a safety realm. They've moved into a place of protection because of hurts and things that have been said and things that have happened and, and ways that, they, uh, that you've been responded to. Well, these are the things that can open the closets. Uh, a sense of, co of communicating to one another affection by your caresses and touches and and uh, and and the uh, your eye contact and the words that you speak that say you know what i can let my affections out again i can let those feelings out again i will be safe or they will be safe people will say and this is what i've you know hid behind probably still do sometimes is a well i'm just not an affectionate person you know it in my household, uh, growing up, that was just not, just wasn't done, you know. Nobody was, 
showed affection to one another. We just weren't raised that way. So I'm not that way. Well, too bad. Now I'm married. Now I have to be that way. Right? Now now that has to be... I, I've got to build that into myself and and understand that I just can't hide behind the fact that I was not raised in an affectionate household and I'm not really geared that way, so I'm not going to be that way. It doesn't come naturally to me. It's not the way I normally respond. Well, it needs to be put into your life, trained into your life, and to become the place where you do become used to communicating love and affection in, in the tenderness and, and the uh, not, uh, kissing of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, that just communicates love and appreciation and, and uh, romance. And, and those, that needs to be part of your life, part of your encounters together, part of the sense that you are in love, a learned behavior. One of the limitations, too, is this thing of, well, what if I'm ticked off? What if I'm angry? What if, uh, you know, what, why uh, just uh, pretend? Well, you know, what uh, psychologists tell us is that, you know, our attitudes really follow our actions. You know, sometimes the way to get out of your funk is to start communicating love and affection and kindness and not just wait for your anger to cool down or your attitude to cool down to show your love and affection one for another. Uh, affection communicated can dispel bad emotion. Love your way out of your hate. Love your way out of those negative feelings by doing it, by communicating. And, uh, you know, <laughs> we're sometimes it's it's... Uh, these are things that we need to learn. We don't, don't necessarily have it right. I, you know, we were leaving a church one time, and uh, and this this couple is saying goodbye to us, and they hadn't been married very long. And the and the uh, young ladies started really crying, you know, that uh, that we're going, and so her husband grabbed her, and and this is like a big football player like guy and he's going <laughs> and she, <laughs> it's okay hon it's okay hun. and she <laughs> you know and he, he is uh, I mean he is trying to comfort her but uh, you know <laughs> I think he's breaking both of her collarbones <laughs> so you know there are things that that in life, in you know, sensitive sensitivity, you know, we'll we'll learn that's maybe a little bit more uh, meaningful and uh, and something that really does communicate affection to our spouse. And again, this is a two-way street. Say this is just for the woman is is absolutely wrong. This is something that again. Men don't come and say, you don't ever hug me or you just kiss me when you want. You know, we don't, uh, we don't talk that way. We don't, we don't say that. But it, the, the fact is that men will respond to the fact that they are being loved. 
and say, well, you never say you love you. Well, you know what? There's a responsibility to ladies that you have to communicate a love and affection that, uh, you know, no matter how crusty the guy uh, appears, that, uh, that, that you can uh, communicate to him and trigger those emotions of affection and love and kindness uh, that are there. Now, this does inevitably then, of course, lead to the uh, our sexual relationship, I, I, conceptual-wise anyways. I'm not saying that your affection must always be directed that way. It needs to be affection communicated for affection's sake. But once we start talking about uh, our physical relationship, we uh, there, our sexual relationship is a very important part of our marriage. And, uh, you know, in terms of the, the needs of, uh, of a man and a woman, uh, the researchers tell us, the, you know, the, what a woman needs most out of uh, marriage is affection, and, and man's, the man's priority is sex. That, so uh, someone said one time that uh, uh, women use, uh, men use affection to get sex, women use sex to get affection. Well, the, 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 the fact is that this is an aspect of our relationship that must be love-making, okay? Making love. There, that is a, that's a term that uh, and I don't know where that derived from or when it got into uh, the, the culture. It used to be, I, I know, that uh, it, in, a couple of hundred years ago, it had nothing to do with sex. It, 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 it had to do with uh, uh, communicating love in a romantic way. And so if you read in a Jane Austen novel about uh, uh, he tried to make love to me in the carriage, it, that doesn't, <laughs> it, <laughs> what they mean is uh, he started saying you're beautiful and it had nothing to do with, with sex. But somehow in our day, it has become to mean that. Uh, so uh, making love, that the, the fact that our sexual relationship needs to be viewed in that light. Not merely the satisfying of a need, not, not merely in, the, in, uh, the, in a physical need sense or, or a, a sexual sense by itself, but that this is a way that we are going to build, we're going to make, we're going to reinforce our love. Uh, marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, Hebrews uh, 13.4 says. And uh, the message translation of 1 Corinthians 7 uh, says these words, certainly, but only within certain context. It's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife, the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. Abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time if you both agree to it, and if it's for the purposes of prayer and fasting, but only for such times. Then come back together again. 
Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. So, the uh, our sexual relationship needs to be viewed in the context of romance. Now, for a woman, that's you don't necessarily need me to say that because that is how you view it. That's uh, you, you uh, see. Uh, your sexual relationship as an expression of the romance part of your relationship, whereas men tend, are, are perhaps a little more physical about the thing and and uh, and can s- don't see the two necessarily mixing uh, on a regular basis. Uh, there, but this this scripture tells us that sex is a need for both the man and the woman, not just for the woman. Or the man. Uh, <laughs> it is something that is is a need, and it it has a physical aspect to it. Absolutely, no doubt of that. But it is not just the physical. There is a, an emotional and a romance and a love aspect to that need. So when you're talking about providing for your wife, what? she needs in the sexual realm that is not merely uh, that she will be physically fulfilled in that. And that is crucial and important, but I will send you to the the books that Pastor Mitchell gave you to, to, you know, analyze all of that. Let's let's just talk about the fact that that, uh, we, as, as husbands, need to understand that there is a tremendous emotional need and a sense of being loved and a sense of romance that is all involved in sex as far as your wife is concerned. And that is why sex can't begin just the moment that the lights go out. You haven't spoken to one another, uh, even said two words to one another. The light goes out and she feels this hand groping her uh, under the under the covers. And and so she's not even she's not even there, and so she breaks your wrist and and turns over and goes to sleep. Because that's that you know she, she has some needs along that realm. See, our sexual relationship needs needs to be love making. Be conscious of that. That we are making love. We're not just having sex. We are making love. We are going to have this time together to love one another, communicate love and commitment and affection and appreciation and uh, and and thrill and joy and uh, and that is going to be there. It's not just going to be this uh, uh, quickie thing because it's been to a while and so uh, and then roll over and go to sleep. Or, uh, there, that we are going to make love. Um, uh, it's uh, uh, it, there is a very physical aspect as far as a man's concerned. He, he, he is more built that way, and, and that's how God is, has made him. So he's not to be. Shamed for that, or uh, or exploited, or manipulated that way. Don't use your sexual relationship as a way to manipulate or get your way, and uh, or you know you withhold so you can get what you want. Uh, that's that's not what it's all about. 
What sex is about is making love. They were uh, the man uh, and the woman uh, that, you know, God made them male and female, and the two became one flesh. And uh, this, this is a fulfillment of, of what our relationship and love and everything is to be. Now it, it degenerates into uh, just this physical thing. And, uh, and many times where a woman is not even, doesn't even enjoy or even look forward to that, and it's just something that the man does and uh, she does her duty. But uh, that's, that's not how God intended it. God intended it to be a thing that meets the needs of both parties in the marriage. It's not a self-serving thing. So that text says that, that it's a need for both. It also says that each of our bodies are not our own. Okay? That, that the husband's body is under the authority of the wife. The wife's body is under the authority of the husband. And say, well, that's too strange. What if he asks me to do something? Well, just tell his body not to do it. <laughs> right? See, you, you have... Uh, there is... Uh, that's your... Your body then is, is seen not just as... A, I need to get what I want out of this. No. It is that I'm here to serve the needs of my spouse. That's what I'm all about. And that is not... Therefore, how what I view their need is, <laughs> but I'm I'm listening to what they say their need or what how they indicate their need is, and so there is there is the sense of a mutual submission. In bed, there is a mutual submission. When Paul says, "I would not let a woman uh, usurp authority over the man," well, here she can. Oh, heresy. Huh? What, what, what does it say? The man's, the woman has authority, has power over her husband's body. Okay? There, there is a place where she can call the shots, and he can call the shots. There's a mutuality of submission one to another that I am here for you, and you're here for me, and as long as that's our focus, I'm not saying you're here for me or you're here for me, but I'm here for you, then there's a wonderful uh, blessing uh, that comes out of that. It says, too, that the only time you might interrupt this is for seasons of prayer and fasting, which tells me something about the frequency of uh, sexual relationship. Unless you're normally fast for 30 days, this means... (laughs) 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 that this is... Therefore, got to be perhaps more than once a month occurrence uh, uh, that uh, you know uh, we if you if you get uh, I, you know I, and I don't want to get off color or anything if I've already have please forgive me but just saying that there here is Paul says okay if you want to take a little break to pray and fast that's okay but. Involved in that understanding is that this was going to be something that was going to be a pretty regular part of their life. Now, I'm not going to tell you how many days a week, uh, you know, this has to take place. I'm just saying that in the Bible, this was not 
looked at as, as some rare occurrence, that uh, this was not, uh, you know, every once in a while. This was to be a regular part of their home life. And so a perspective of lovemaking that is building and strengthening love and providing something one for another that satisfies emotionally and physically, that you're not pursuing the fireworks, you're pursuing making love, that my spouse will know uh, however this encounter ends, if it is uh, this, you know, fireworks experience or if it's just a wonderful time of sharing uh, physically one with another, he or she will know that I love them. I, I, we ha- our love has been enhanced by this. It's been strengthened uh, by this. Our love has been served by this. So, there, you know, there are uh, some problems and things that, that you may need to address, and, and this is not the context for this. Uh, it may be good for you to pull out uh, you know the act of marriage or uh, intended for pleasure, uh, and these are these are good Christian book. Oop. Time to let me just take a couple of more uh, minutes, and then we can break. Uh, uh, to to these are these are well written books, Christian books that can give you some insights, maybe into uh, if you're having particular physical problems or other problems uh, that are there. But there are just some things that, that are some, uh, something of what we talked about last night that criticism, either spoken or implied, can be a very devastating thing. You know, it's, the Bible says that the, the two were naked and they were not ashamed. Okay? They were at the po- point of the most vulnerability that a human being can have and there was no shame. That is not just that they didn't feel it personally, but they weren't made to feel it. Okay? Our time when we're naked is a time where we shouldn't be ashamed. We shouldn't be made to feel ashamed. We, that, that is something that we're working toward. Okay? And so there are the, the ways to, to uh, develop your sexual relationship in a way that is mutually satisfying and and uh, that things that, uh, that are not particularly uh, appreciated uh, can be kind of moved out of the thing uh, comes by the, a positive reinforcement. Oh, that was great. This was wonderful. You know, you are the greatest. You know, and, and move it that way rather than uh, a criticism, either spoken or implied, of some uh, way that you let your partner know that uh, that was just not... Uh, uh, very uh, good scene. So reinforce with the positive. Husbands, make sure that you uh, know that this relationship is to come out of a romantic uh, and emotional uh, experience. For you, uh, your sexual uh, response and be instant and and you're and you're ready for your wife she must be emotionally aroused before she can be physically aroused and and so you arouse her emotionally by words of affection and and uh, and and love and compliment and 
and uh, things that you whisper to her and ways that you approach her and a tenderness and a kindness. And, and this all begins uh, not just when the light goes out. This begins in your, in your daily life, your, the way that you look at her, the way that you treat her, the, the way that you're conscious of what her needs are. See, men fight the issue of, of uh, you know, they, they would tend to fantasize about sex. Women don't so much fantasize about sex, they fantasize about romance. That's what goes through their mind. Oh, my husband would come home and we would turn the candles on and then we would just sit and look at one another and drink tea. And, and, just, and so, right? Have you ever had the experience where you're going to do this, you're going to have this date, and when you have the date, you have the biggest fight? <laughs> and you know one of the reasons for that is because your wife puts so much on this. She has figured this out, what it's going to be like, what you're going to say, what she's going to say, how are you going to look. And, and of course, it doesn't happen. And blah, she's, you know, you've taken her out and she's crying. She's mad. Well, one of the reasons because you probably because you don't do enough romantic things, she puts so much on the very few that you do. So, but here the the point that I'm making is that there needs to be an emotional re- arousal before there can be a physical arousal. She there is an enjoying enjoyment of closeness of touching of her whole body, not just the erogenous zones, not a mechanical thing, but a a real closeness, and uh, get a lock for your door, uh, and uh, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, a woman, the thing can be just total pitch dark. That's where she feels most comfortable. Uh, men are a little, they're you know, they're they're more visual, and so some dim light burning uh, is uh, is helpful there. Uh, <laughs> Conversation. I went too long. I can tell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. We're gonna dismiss for coffee. <laughs>